thought-provoking stories, and insights from around the globe by your favorite athletes. This is the Athlete's Obsession, brought to you by Obsesh. Welcome to a special edition of the Athlete's Obsession podcast, brought to you by Obsesh. As usual, I am your host, Dalton Allison, and this week, our guest is Alex Chisnell. Alex, how's it going today? Today is awesome. Glad, uh, glad to be here, so thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming to the podcast from all the way across the pond. I believe this is the first time we've had a native of Great Britain on the podcast, so I'm happy to That's have good. you on the podcast, Breaking Down Barriers. Yeah, likewise. Pleasure to be here. So Alex, you do a lot of podcasting and we will get into that in just a little bit. But first, I have to ask you the question that I ask everyone who comes on to the podcast, just to be fair, and that is, what is your obsession? And it could be podcast related or it could be non-podcast related. I would say, I'd be tempted to say podcasting, but I've just had a birthday and the amount of Las Vegas Raiders merch that I've got probably tells you that... Um, obsessed with the with the Raiders be that from LA Oakland and now in Vegas <laughs> and that's that's awesome so I know that the NFL plays some games over in England every year have you ever gone to one of those games in England yeah yeah absolutely I went to the first ever one that was here probably back in oh I can't even remember now 2007 maybe something like that and funnily enough today that we're speaking they they literally about an hour ago announced the dates and the teams for uh, this year's slate of games kicking off in England but also including Germany for the first time as well so it's a uh, yeah big day for the NFL uh, and their announcements today. Yeah, that's something that I've always been interested in as a fan in the United States going to a game over in Europe. But let's it's get different. into it's, is it different? Um, it is. It is. Yeah. But it's, it's you know, it's unique, I'd say as well, because likewise, I've seen soccer games uh, in the US. Like I went to see David Beckham play uh, for the LA Galaxy and that was a different experience. So, yeah. What do you think the, the biggest difference is between seeing big sports, whether it be in England or in the United States? What's the biggest difference that you see? I think the, the biggest difference is probably from, from the crowd perspective and from the, the, the general entertainment perspective as to, you know, what you guys do to kind of build, you know, that experience, that fan experience, rather than it just being a game. And I think we're, 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 we're pretty far behind you, but we're making quicker inroads due to, you know, innovations such as the, you know, the NFL coming over here, for example. Well, I definitely have to catch a Premier League match in England before I die. I think that's on the bucket list um, <laughs> for myself. But getting more into your story. So you have this, this love for audio as you're a now podcaster. But where did that love of audio really start for you? Yeah, I think it started for me when I was at college, actually, because I was on doing an English and history joint honours degree, uh, and the aim was to become a journalist. And so back then in the UK, you literally just had the BBC, and you didn't have you didn't have anything else. So the only way to kind of graduate to the BBC was doing what we call here hospital radio. So every hospital would have its own radio station, and you would you know offer your services for free. You know, you would start at the bottom rung of the ladder, 
you know, really small audience and, and just work your way up. And for me, I did that at college with, uh, with my best friends. We started a show. Um, and then when I, you know, moved away from college back home, started my own show and then ultimately just kept knocking on the door of the BBC until they said yes. And, you know, I then started as a journalist and then became a presenter. And so now being in podcasting, you know, a couple of decades later, it really feels like, you know, I've, I've come full circle when it comes to comes to the audio space. And I think for so many people, including myself, I think this is a, a background that we share. A love for radio can really, really start in college. I myself started out in college radio doing sports director duties at 89.5 FM WSOU. And (laughs) there's just something so magical in getting together with your best friends and putting together something that's going live on the radio at such a a young age. It's just such an awesome experience. It it is. And that's, you, you probably nailed it right on the head there. That that's the easiest way to start, isn't it? Whether it's radio or podcasting, it's literally get together with a bunch of friends and, and talk about what you're passionate about. And quite often that's sports. You spoke about working at the BBC. What kind of roles did you perform at the BBC? Yeah, so I started out as, as, as a journalist. And it's funny, like when I, when I look back now at the time, I just kind of, I guess I took it for granted because I was, I was, I was young. But my first ever interview was with uh, Lennox Lewis, who was world heavyweight champion. And he was fighting a guy, a British guy called Frank Bruno, who was, you know, very well liked in this country, but, but came up against an immovable force in, in Lennox Lewis. But, but that was my first interview. And it was, I guess, it kind of showed me the, you know, the, the different ways of how you would approach really well-known people. I was going to say celebrities, and I, I guess maybe, maybe I should, but it was interesting because reflecting back on that, Lennox Lewis was an absolute gent, an absolute gentleman, gave me the time. And, you know, he was, he was the champion. Frank Bruno was the challenger. And Frank Bruno just literally brushed past, wouldn't even say hello, wouldn't even answer a question. And I think, you know, I took that on board at a, at a really young age, you know, straight away as to how you, you treat people is ultimately how you want to be treated yourself or how you would want your family, family and friends to be treated, you know. So that was a really valuable lesson. And then, you know, from there, I always really enjoyed the presenting side of things going back to college. So I then moved on to presenting what you'd call a youth entertainment show. So we used to review the latest like live bands, the, the, uh, the latest movies that would come. We'd get private screenings in the theatres, etc., which I loved because you then get, you know, loads of merch from the big, you know, movie companies to take away photos and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, it was um, it was kind of a review based show, and I absolutely absolutely loved it. Do you have a, a singular favorite memory from your time spent at the BBC? That that role that you played sounds absolutely awesome. Yeah, I, I, do you know what I think? You know, one was definitely meeting Lennox Lewis, and I, I, I then went on to meet him years later on board a, a Virgin Atlantic aircraft when I worked for Virgin Virgin Atlantic as well. But and, and met a number of boxers, strangely enough. I, I guess they were going out, you know, over to, to Vegas for fights, etc. So maybe that's not so strange because that's kind of like, you know, the epicenter of where where boxers fight because of the betting side of things. But yeah, that uh, interviewing the, you know, the deputy prime minister at, a, again, really, really young age. And again, somebody that I met years later 
when I flew back from, I was in Washington for Barack Obama's inauguration and the plane that we brought home was literally wall to wall celebrities. And, and he was on the plane again, a guy, a guy called Neil Kinnock. But I, I think, you know, those kind of memories and also going to, going to see, uh, a, uh, you know, private screening of Last of the Mohicans, you know, one of my favorite all time movies, you know, starring Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, the American War of Independence around that, that time. And, you know, just getting loads of unique uh, memorabilia, you know, signed photos and stuff that I really should go up into my loft and find out if they're, if they're still, if they're still there. Yeah, you mentioned after the BBC, you ended up working at Virgin, Virgin Startup. How did you go from BBC to Virgin Startup? Yeah, so I, I went through a few Virgin iterations in that I went from working for the BBC to Virgin Atlantic. And that was literally me. It's funny, it was, it was a combination of when I was at college, I used to spend my summers flying to the US and working at summer camp in Connecticut, just outside Hartford. And it was the love of flying to, to the US and my love of travel. I was, I was brought up in Canada from like the age of three months. My father, my grandparents were all Canadian. And it was that love of North America combined with my love of travel that I thought that I literally just ditched the BBC and decided to join Virgin as a, as a flight attendant to see the world. I just thought, you know, you're only young once. I loved working at the summer camps in the US and I would then spend, you know, after the summer camp finished, I would then spend a couple of months traveling around myself. So I literally started out as a flight attendant, worked my way up to, to management, went as, as far as I could go within the airline, always had an itch that I wanted to scratch, which was to start my own business. So I, I eventually left, started my own business. I retrained as a, as a personal trainer and um, then decided to specialize in sports injury. And I ended up opening a, a chain of sports injury clinics and ultimately got reeled back in by the Virgin Group when they were look at, they launched a brand new business called Virgin Startup. It was a typical Richard Branson thing to do, literally take the person who was you know, running the biggest startup scheme in the UK, putting them behind the desk, giving them a couple of support staff and saying, you know, here's some share options, here's a salary go run with it. And he did the same thing with Virgin Sport. He got the CEO of the New York Marathon, like the world's biggest sporting event, which I didn't realize at the time, stuck her behind a desk with a couple of support staff and said, you know, here, go launch Virgin Sport. So for me, there was always that attraction to go back to the Virgin brand. It was, again, you know, and everyone will tell you this, it's not the best page uh, jobs in the world working for Virgin, but it's definitely people do it for the lifestyle. You know, you have a great time. And for me, it was that combination of the Virgin brand, which is really attractive and um, wanting to help startups, kind of passing on those lessons that I'd learned in starting my first business. And, you know, the ultimate number of failures that, that, that we all have to ultimately, you know, gain success. So I really enjoyed it. I started out as a, as a mentor, then became a part-time business advisor. Then unbeknown to me, became the number one business advisor in the UK and, and ultimately got asked to be a delivery partner for them. So I ended up running about nine different uh, regions of the UK for them. And ultimately, that, that led me onto my podcasting journey, funnily enough, when I, when I went to launch a podcast for them. So yeah, it was, a, you know, again, great, great company to work for. Would highly recommend working for an organization like that. If you, if you, you know, the, the startup life isn't for you, then it's, a, it's kind of like the best of both worlds, really. 
And you mentioned you had an itch to, to start your own business. That itch returned with Podpreneur. So what was the inspiration behind Podpreneur? Yeah, Inspiration was a podcast called How I Built This, produced by NPR, hosted by Guy Raz. And that was, or still is, I should say, you know, the, the stories of amazingly successful entrepreneurs who've, who've started businesses, you know, the likes of um, an Airbnb, an, an Uber, you know, you know, a Virgin, you know, you, you name it. And those stories really... I mean, I, I literally used to go to bed on a Sunday and I couldn't wait, couldn't get to sleep waiting for the next episode to look to drop on a Monday. And I, I don't think there's many podcasts like that out there. I, I guess everybody maybe has, you know, their favorite one that might be like that. But for me, it was it was listening to that podcast and, and thinking not that I could necessarily do something better, but I could do something different. So that's when I launched my own podcast. Screw it, just do it. And, and ultimately it was people asking me for advice about launching their own podcast because I'd done it that I, I literally hosted an in-person event where I, where, where I had, I think it was 12 people come and I'd spend half a day literally walking them through launching the podcast through to growing the podcast. And that was successful. So I did another one and then another one and another one. And it just got me thinking, you know, you know what, I'm doing this in, in one location, which is in Bournemouth in, in England, in the UK, who, by the way, just got promoted to the, uh, the Premier League uh, for soccer last night. Um, so it's a big deal for the town. Um, and I just thought, wow, when I looked at the, the metrics, my own podcast, my podcast was going out to 161 different countries. And I thought, why am I limiting me sharing this advice to one country and one town in one country? It's ridiculous. So Ultimately, I, I thought I can help more people by going all in on podcasting and launching my own agency, which I don't know whether this was a mistake or not. But at the time, I wanted to get my own show to number one in the charts in the UK, because I then thought I'd have the kudos to be able to say to people, look, this is how I did it. We're going to do the same for you. So I got my own podcast to number two four times. And I was on the verge of quitting. And then I made in January 2019, I made it my number one goal that year to get my podcast to number one. And within six months, I did it. And within those six months, as soon as I did that, I was like, right, I now feel confident. Um, I've got the kudos. Let's launch the agency. So I did that. And we, you know, we, we helped uh, a big entrepreneurial event company, funnily enough, um, launch our first podcast and their first podcast. and. Fast forward over three years later, I'm still still you know working with them in, in different ways and means. So you know, as as you, I'm sure you found out, you know, podcasting is, is all about relationship building. And for me, you know, that's been the biggest takeaway is being able to help other people do what I love to do, and and has given me so many opportunities. And that's that's one of the reasons why I'm so grateful to be able to have you on today, because we're going to have a lot of athletes listening who might want to start their own podcast, but they're not sure where to start or where to go from there. So I'll, I'll start by asking on their behalf, what does an athlete need to start their own podcast? Honestly, to, to start your own podcast, if, you, if you're an athlete listening to this, you can literally start with the phone that you you already own with the the free headphones that come with it and the free apps that are in the app store you know if you literally just want to get going and if 
you know, if, if buying some tech is the barrier to you getting started, then don't let that be the barrier. You can literally jump on your phone, use a free app in the app store to record a conversation or literally, you know, as we're doing now, jump on a Zoom call with somebody, record that conversation on your phone. And, you know, is that going to be perfect? No, of course it's not. But, you know, for me, name my podcast is Screw It, Just Do It. And, it, you know, very is that mantra of, you know, start now, get perfect later. You know, you can improve things by buying a microphone from Amazon for like 15 bucks that literally, you know, clips onto your, your hoodie and plugs straight into your phone. I, I think often, Dalton, the easiest way is, as we mentioned earlier, get together with somebody else as well to do it. Because again, if you've got any anxiety or imposter syndrome, which we've all had, myself included, then to get that out of the way, the easiest thing to do in the world is to get together with a, with a friend or a couple of friends. Like I've done a podcast before with, with two friends. I've done another podcast with, with one other friend before. And it, it is easier to just kind of spitball with somebody else to, to kind of knock back, you know, ideas over, back and forth over the net with each other. So, so often that's quite easy to, you know, I would say, you know, if, if you can jump on a, on a laptop, you're going to get a better experience than you do on your phone. If you get a set of headphones instead of uh, a set of, you know, AirPods or using the mic in your laptop, again, you're going to improve that experience. But, you know, we've got so many clients now who still use something like Zoom, you know, rather than in person, because in person's great for sure. But if you want to, like Obsessed, be able to access people from all over the world, then the easiest thing to do is, is, to, is to jump on a Zoom. There's plenty of other platforms out there. Um, that people use that, you know, you can brand the screen, you know, we use something called StreamYard. That's again, I think 20 bucks a month. It's not a lot of money. There's a whole bunch of different ones out there like that. You know, I, I interviewed a lady called Maria Hatsis She is the founder of a beauty company called Rodeo, $100 million beauty company. And she still uses the phone. And, and she's got like Kylie Jenner fronting her beauty campaigns. And she's wants to be able to just put a phone in her bag fly over to New York to do, you know, business to meet potential clients and be able to interview Kylie Jenner's makeup artist to, you know, give a snapshot to, to her audience. So she literally used, she literally uses the app on her iPhone where she can record the conversation. If you, you know, you're going to need to like host your podcast somewhere, just like if you've got a website that needs the hosting platform, it's the same for a podcast. You can use something like Anchor or Acast. They both have a free hosting platform. With Anchor, I know you can even schedule your interviews through the platform. You can even edit through the platform. And it's literally a case of putting your finger on a dot and sliding it around to, to cut out, you know, maybe part of the interview where, I don't know, maybe the maybe the interviewee drops his cup of tea on the floor or something like that and doesn't sound great. <laughs> so you really don't need a lot to get started. So you can literally use, you know, your phone, the free apps that are in, in your headphones. But if you want to spend a few dollars more, I would say, you know, go into Amazon, buy yourself a, a microphone, you know, for, for 15 bucks, buy yourself a pair of headphones. I got mine from Logitech for the first time for like 25 bucks, I think. And jump on Zoom, which I think you get free for, for 40 minutes. Again, it, you know, you really don't need to, to spend a lot of money when it comes to, to launching a podcast. I used to have an advisor at school that used to say anyone can start a podcast from their toilet if they wanted to. 
that was always his saying. And although there was a lot of comedy to that, it's absolutely true because you really don't need that much technology or apps to really get going. You just need your voice and your phone, uh, which is a really great thing. Now that we kind of have the basis of what you need in terms of tools to start a podcast, what kind of experiences can athletes draw on for their podcast that's valuable for people who want to listen? That's a, that's a great question, Dalton. I, I think I thought about this one and, and I thought, do you know what? It's, it, it's the same in sport as it is in the entrepreneurial world, as it is in life, in that, you know, people are looking for inspiration. People are, are looking to better themselves. People are looking to, to constantly improve, be that, you know, their health, their wealth, their relationships, whatever it is. So I think, you know, athletes are like everybody else. What I've learned by interviewing athletes, they're as human as the rest of us, even though they do get put on this, you know, these pedestals by, by us, the fans, and I count myself among them. But I think, you know, stories of, you know, success, uh, of perseverance, of, um, you know, showing up every day and, and putting putting the work in, those kind of stories are, are timeless. You know, people, if, if you can show a side of yourself that isn't, you know, just the Nike ad or the the, the Adidas ad that the people see, whether, you know, Usain Bolt winning multiple gold medals or it's, you know, it's, it's the Raiders winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, 2022 is our year. Then then people really relate to that. People really relate to that. So I think any time that you're able to, you know, kind of, you know, draw back the curtain a little bit on yourself. And I think, yes, you can do that on social media, but, you know, social media, you know, for all of us, and especially I think for, for athletes, you know, we just had an, an item on the news today here where a rugby player received a death threat from, from a fan in inverted commas. And he actually went to meet the fan you know, and that was one of those kind of cathartic experiences that I think the league put together to try and, you know, show what, that, that athletes are human and, you know, a throwaway comment on a, on a social media post when you lose the game that I'm going to come and kill you or something, which I'm sure there are a number of athletes who've had, you know, not the greatest social media. So I, I just think with a podcast, you know, social media can be such a, a tough place to be a lot of the time. I think with a podcast, you know, you've got that kind of, freedom of expression that you can you can share like a little window into your life and, and show people you know your your own challenges your own struggles and how you've overcome them and, and how just by being consistent and by persevering you know in your chosen field how you can ultimately you know succeed and and, and reach your goals so I think you know things like that insight into you know your, 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 your training habits you know competition that kind of thing is is absolutely invaluable people will people will lap it up people love to see the behind the scenes that how did you get to where you are today those kinds of stories for sure and the the great thing is that no athlete story is exactly the same every athlete comes from a different place and every athlete takes a different journey to get to the end goal which is playing professionally so Athletes have some really great stories. Uh, I've been lucky enough to hear some of them on the Athletes Obsession podcast, but athletes, outside of their paycheck they get from playing their sport, they want to be able to do an activity that makes them some, some money on the side as well. So how can an athlete turn a podcast and their story into some extra cash? Yeah, and, and another really good question and interesting. Um, I, I think, and this is 
it's been around in the US for a while, but it's just blown up lately. But I, I think something like uh, a Patreon platform, again, because it's so popular. And again, you know, look it up and, and there's a, a nice little link would be Graftreon, which is G-R-A-P-H-T-R-E-O-N. And that gives you a breakdown of how many subscribers all of these podcasters or other content creators have on Patreon and how much money they're earning on a monthly basis. And it's astronomical. Some of these guys are earning hundreds of thousands of dollars a month just by, for example, having different tiers of membership that someone can pay you $5 a month, $15 a month, $50 a month to subscribe and gain access to, it might be a bonus episode of your podcast. Look, if you're going to record a podcast, whilst you're in the flow, record another 15, 20 minutes, you know, which is, you know, a window in, into your life. Maybe it's some kind of, you know, tactics, top tips, whatever it might be. But if you, you look at what people are offering, the different levels of, of membership in there, I think it's, an, it's a really easy way. And I heard, um, speaking with them again tonight, actually, but a guy in Australia, and it's not an athlete, but it is a 23-year-old American uh, guy who, who has um, an intellectual podcast. He's a rapper as well. And he's making between half a million and a million dollars a year from, it's not Patreon, but it's like a white-labeled version of that. So it's a similar version to Patreon that his management have created for him. Uh, and I think lots of conversations, you know, we, we could have around this, but I think any athlete that can, again, you know, monetize their fan base, you know, you've got tens of thousands of followers on, on, on social media. They want to get access to you. They want to know more about you to be able to charge, you know, a relatively small amount of money, but, you know, compound that over time. If you're constantly creating new content, you're constantly putting that out on social media. Uh, you're you're growing your audience to charge you know a small amount of money, but compound that you know a thousand, a hundred, then a thousand, then ten thousand people all paying you five, ten, fifty dollars, whatever it might be. That that turns into a substantial income stream, and the fact that you're getting it every month, I think for a lot of athletes, you know that would take a lot of stress out of you know the requirements they need to fund their training, etc., their nutrition. So I th I think something like that, you know, brand partnerships, which I have on my own show is another way athletes could do because you're 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 showing the the brand sponsor you're giving them access to another platform that they can show their product so i think if you're able to you know you're going to have brand partnerships already if you then build in another option for that brand partnership that they can get access to your podcast audience you're going to increase how much your your value is as an athlete as well to those potential brand partners Alex, thank you so much for, for those tips. I'm sure the athletes are really going to listen to those and really consider doing their own podcast. If they wanted to keep up with you and your show, how would they be able to do so? Yeah, so my show, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find it. Screw it, just do it uh, with me, Alex Chisnell. And then anybody who wants to connect with me directly on, on Instagram, LinkedIn, anywhere like that, I'm at Alex Chisnell. Really easy to find. Podpreneur uk is the name of the business. So you can find me either by Googling Podpreneur or screw it, just do it. So thank you very much for having me again, Dalton. It's been, uh, been a blast. Yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. You're welcome.